And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgan's founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle. Today, we're going to be talking about simplifying your company's message. And before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Kelly Thornton, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Let's rock. Yeah, guys, we were just chatting um, you know, before we got, before we got on the show and we really have a lot in common, I love when I get, um, uh, brand owners, people that have built a brand, uh, on the show instead of just service providers, it's just kind of a different take, a different look at, at, uh, e-commerce and what we're doing. So I'm really excited to have you on here and hopefully share, um, some of your story with us. Like, Let's so, um, one, where are you calling in from? Chicago. Chicago. Um, I love it. Another Midwesterner. If you guys consider yourselves Midwest, I do. You know, I was born and raised on the East Coast. We were kind of talking a little East Coast uh, a minute ago, but I've been in Chicago for over 30 years and uh, it's great. It's a great city. It has great, great people here. Midwestern attitude. People are still, you know, very friendly, still saying hi to each other for the most part on the street. And, uh, it's great. I do like the East Coast, love the East Coast, love the West Coast, but Chicago is a great home. Yeah, I can't disagree. Being in Kansas City, we're we're like the little brother of Chicago, if anything. Yeah. Um, but there's a few cities in the Midwest that have any size. So, you know, we're all we're not really looking to New York. We're looking to Chicago as yeah. far as calling it the big city. Uh, and when it comes to e-commerce, at least Chicago seems to have like, you know, that's the city to go to for events and things like that. So, um Absolutely love Chicago. Hopefully you're getting the same weather we're getting today here in Kansas City. Thanks. You know, we're, we're getting into the cloudy season. I don't care about the cold, but man, the the, the uh, dark skies get a little gloomy. Like, where's but my sunshine, right? We'll be good. Well, I love getting the show started, just getting to know Kelly a little bit better. Like, you know, how did you, I know you've been doing this for about eight years yeah. uh, as far as building this brand, but I'm sure your story starts before that. Um, did you always know you're going to be an entrepreneur, uh, a business owner, you know, how did you get into to, to skincare? Yeah. I got into skincare cause I'm, I'm starting to look like shit and getting older looking at the self and I'm wondering what my wife sees in me still. But, um, and I, you know, I really did want to start thinking about taking care of myself, yeah. um, differently. You have, you know, you're talking about skincare earlier and you have like a specific skincare need that you're trying to address. And, I think it's the same thing for me. It started off like understanding anti-aging, um, but there, there's a bigger thing going on around self-care um, that's generally speaking, uh, we're more aware of all this stuff, right? We And we, we speak men over here because we do sell to men's. Uh, T. Shanley is a, is a men's skincare brand, um, but it, you know, it is about like healthy lifestyle, healthy routine, eating right, sleeping right, drinking enough water you know, going to the doctors regularly. We're just part of a healthy routine that's about taking care of your skin. 
Um, so, you know, I mean, that's generally how we, how we got started is my interest in, you know, trying to help guys think about skincare and the importance of it in their health, healthy journey and my personal healthy journey uh, on the entrepreneur stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was hardwired early on to be an entrepreneur. It took me a long time. I started a business in high school and college. I was very fortunate. It was, you know, it was really a necessity to pay my bills. Um, and then I went corporate for 18 years. Then I started my second company and Tiege Hanley is my third business. Okay. Hold on a second. Uh, you said you went corporate for 18 years yeah, after your first venture. Yep. Okay. So let's Bananas. talk through that just a second. Okay. Yeah. So first venture was, you know, I had, I had, it was in new England. I had a painting business Okay, and it was a service business. Um, I, I want to tell you something, Andrew. I, I've never, I've never mentioned anybody on on any podcast that I've been on, but I, I like just went to every parking lot in town, and particularly all the church parking lots and other all over New England, all types of churches from all walks of life, and I was putting flyers. And um, I was busy for four years. Christmas, spring break, and all summer, and had you know a team of four or five people painting, and it was you know it was a wonderful time to be outside in the summer, and um, and spending time with friends, and you know and doing some pretty good work, and and charging you know under market, and being able to graduate college debt free, and incredible. you know having enough money to buy a car coming out of college. So it was it was a fantastic experience. Um, I really loved it a lot. Well, thank you for sharing that. I like the good stuff. Okay, that's the good stuff I'm talking about, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, you got a taste for it. You got a, a taste for being like, I can go get my own business, right? right. You, maybe parking lots wouldn't have lasted forever, but they worked for a long time. You stay busy for four years. That's right. Um, I painted, I went to, I started school in Hawaii uh, and we did power washing and painting there. I like, you know, worked with a small crew. At first it was landscaping and I moved into painting. And uh, when I moved from Hawaii back to Kansas City, I joined a, Certa Pro, they're like a franchise for sure, painting yeah. and doing um, my first job. So I went from painting like walls and houses. The first job, I, I was just like signed up. Okay, I got a job, great. And um, they had me on a three-story Holiday Inn Express, like on a 40-foot ladder. I was barely big enough to move that thing. They definitely don't want you to pull it down and put it back up, right? Wasted time. So I'm gimbling it over there, uh, scared to death of heights. And I just never had to deal with heights when I was painting before. It was, it was smaller stuff. So that crew really pushed my limits. Um, but again, I was working, working my way through college. Uh, wasn't running a crew, was part of a crew in that, in that regard. So I wasn't an entrepreneur. Um, but I really look back on a lot of those labor service type jobs that I had. And I, and I feel like I, I gained a lot of experience. I learned a lot. Um, so talk to me about corporate. The next 18 years you're in corporate, you're at one company or you're jumping around? Yeah, I was like at one company. I, I mean, I just rode that wave. I was in sales the whole time. Um, okay. And I knew graduating college, I interviewed for all these sales jobs and I ended up, I ended up actually get, taking a job to where I was going to work in Boston. And, um, and I was like a month between graduating and starting my career. And my father said, hey, you know, you never interviewed and like asked about working in the industry that he was in, which was in this packaging in-store display industry in New York. And I said, you know, I didn't think of it. They offered me $10,000 more. I think my first job was like 18.5 plus I might make like a thousand dollars in commission. And he, they offered me like a $28,000 job. This is, you know, 1990, um, with a car and like in six months I was going to make commission. I'm like, I'll take that job, you know? Yeah. 
and I just stuck with it for a long time. It was very fortunate because I, I, I did, you know, I, people were being paid a lot of money in commission back then on, I, and I'm sure there's those jobs are still out there today. Um, if you look hard enough for them, but, um, it was a great, you know, it was a really dog eat dog, um, survival, of the fittest, you know, tough customers grind, um, eat what you kill type of job. And I was on it for 18 years, but I, I really liked, I learned every aspect. Anybody that's out there in any type of sales job really learns broadly about like their organization, right? Because yeah. it's, they really need to, they need to understand the technical aspects of the products they're selling. They need to understand if they're shipping, if, if they're producing a product, they need to understand manufacturing, shipping, you know, distribution, all of this stuff. So I felt like that was a pretty good foundation. And then I was able to lead people and develop a team, you know, over years, train people, so I think all that stuff was really was really helpful. Getting out of it was very hard. It was kind of like, you know, it's the only thing you knew at that point. You know, for a long time. AA to become back to be an entrepreneur. It was very sobering. Yeah, I bet. I, there's a lot of there's a lot about sales that feels very um, entrepreneurial to me. Yeah. Uh, even if you're part of a company, because a lot of times you're having to go out there and get your own business. Like not everything, not every company, at least in sales, is giving you leads and all that. A lot of it is like, you know, you're going out there and figuring it out yourself. I was a bartender a long time, um, you know, worked six or seven years while going through school and playing music. I, I worked at a retail store, you know, selling stuff. The one, the kind where you have to address everyone when they come in, you know, you got to be yep. selling in that way. Um, and there's something that just kind of you can kind of put on this mask and go to work like you yeah. know the mask just being like you got to be in sell mode i'm not in sell mode when i'm not doing that you know i'm not trying to push people to buy things or right. whatever so it's like this mode that you get into um and i think that now we're in e-commerce a lot of those skills translate in regards to like the feeling the approach you know just the way you're doing it the strategy or the the methodology is different but i think it's great training for anyone trying to be an entrepreneur get into entrepreneurship to just you need to know how to sell at some yeah. level, whether you're upselling the onion ring or you're upselling the purchase, right? Or you're, you're creating relationships. Um, I think that's a big part of, of my success has been kind of the relationship building part of sales uh, yeah. and then able to to leverage those relationships to grow the business, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like okay, we have one of those, we have one of those companies here in Kansas City as well. I think it's called American Box, just to give them a shout out. Um, I've, been there toward their facility because you know i like to know who's in town who's doing what if someone's trying to get some packaging done where do i send them you know that kind of thing and they their main focus was was kind of like displays and so it was a, i mean this was a they have a very robust uh facility that i was just blown away by you didn't know cardboard could do that many things um but it was cool it was really cool getting to see a tour from inside a, a big one really operating like you know at, at full speed and all the different things they're doing they had some like star wars type stuff in there um okay but so 18 years in yeah you know, it was a bit it was like you know really cutting uh, cutting it off whenever you went back to entrepreneurship yeah. was that jump into what you're doing now or was there something in between i had an agency for about eight or nine years so i had a global design agency with that um, that business was designing, producing, co-packing and shipping point of purchase displays, temporary corrugated and metal and permanent and wire and plastic. I liked the creative side of it. I liked the strategy side. So we started just doing design and strategy work and research 
for big global CPG companies. It was awesome. I, we worked all around the world. Most of our business is actually overseas with big global CPGs that want to develop an in-store strategy. And actually, a lot of that thought process really parlayed well into DTC because it's it's like um, you're, you're, what you're doing in that world is you're thinking about how people are shopping in different stores throughout you know, their journey, the US their customer the journey or whatever. Right. It's totally different. I mean, you, you, most consumers don't realize it, but they're, they make subconscious decisions about where they go to shop based on like their need, their mental need space at the time. Sometimes you're feeling like, Hey, you know, I want to go to, you know, I want to go to a larger store, like whatever, like a Macy's or Nordstrom. Cause you want to explore stuff. And other times you're like, I, I just need to get in and out of there. Like I just, it's just milk that I need. So I'm going to like your local convenience store. Other times it's like, you know, I might, you know, I might need milk plus this. So I'm going to a grocery store. So you really be like kind of pre-select yeah. and you're in a mental state about your, what you want to buy. Um, and a lot of that translates into like the digital world, right? Cause people are people are shopping in different channels. So you and I were talking about Amazon, you know, there's a, there's a very specific, you know, um, kind of shopper need state when they go to Amazon. Although we know Amazon's like a lot of search now too, right? I mean, massive search on Growing. Amazon, but most people go in there to buy. Um, and if they're coming to our.com, they might be coming to learn about our products. They might, they might want to understand what makes our skincare unique or look at the science of it and that, that type of thing. So there's, so there's a lot of correlation between this and then each channel that we operate in, whether or not it's a micro micro influence or macro influence or long form content, short form content, SEO, this is all like thinking about how the shopper or the consumer is, is, is digesting information about our company on their path to purchase yeah are we educating are we comparing are we right. you know building trust like yeah. you know what is our are we trying to you know as an agency i'm always thinking about well am i trying to recruit employees right. like I'm, it's not just clients that i'm trying to put out content for i want to be seen as a you know a thought leader as a team doing a lot of innovative stuff some of the content we do is is to recruit um you know most people don't see that uh they they think that it's just for getting customers or sales you know but no there's a lot of stuff you're doing that doesn't necessarily have an roi to a sale point i think about retail stores and how they have you know color schemes and the music they're playing and the temperature they keep the place in and you know the really good ones are thinking through all those things uh there's like a energy you get in a store when it's got you know, um, like house music on and it's got like, you know, colors that make you say yes or buy. And then there's colors that make you kind of like move quick. Uh, they got all different kinds of methodologies. Like I think of Ikea, think about Ikea, uh, you know, where they're, I hated it. I hated it. We have Nebraska furniture mart here and we have Ikea and I like the stuff in Ikea other than having to build it. I like the very simplistic design. I grew up overseas abroad. I like some minimalism and simplistic stuff. But you couldn't hardly drag me into it in Ikea at a certain point. I hated that they were choosing what I looked at, that I had to look through everything. It was like yep. a, a, rat, a rat maze um, versus Nebraska Furniture Mart was wide open. Okay. And you could just go any department you want. They're both massive furniture stores is why I'm kind of bringing them up. And I think about um, in D the D2C model, you're exactly right. There are like those... Uh, there's those sales funnels that are just like hitting you with all the upsells and the cross sells and they're making you go through these funnels and and we do it you know all of us have done some of those at some point and then there's the one click buys so there's the ones that are like trying to upsell you upsell you upsell you upsell you cross sell you upsell you upsell you and then there's the one that's just like i want to make it easy come in and shop 
something I've really learned on the Amazon side is uh, you're talking about this like mindset people are in and, and Amazon is um, direct response. You know, it's like they're typing in uh, cooking pan and like buying a cooking pan or looking at them at least. Right. Or there's now some people looking at the different brands and doing some shopping like that. But in general, it's like they're not like trying to research where the top 10 cooking pans no. and read about them. They are like looking to buy. They're ready to buy. Yeah. And there's some products that are what I would consider like auxiliary or, um, you know, it's not a product you would go to the store to buy, but if you're in the store, you would, you might buy it. If that makes sense. Like it's not, I wouldn't go straight to the store to get a blender bottle for the, for the gym, but I might go to get pre-workout and, and protein. And then I might also buy a blender. Right. That's the reason why all those upsells and recommended buy with buttons on Amazon are so important to their ecosystem. And the take rates on those are huge. That, so, so I've tried, I've tried through the years, I've been doing this 12 years, I've tried sending people just to a website to let's say buy a blender bottle, just as this example. And you want, you struggle and you just can't get the DC model to work and you can't understand why people, um, you know, aren't buying from your site. Why aren't Facebook ads working? Why aren't Google ads working? Why aren't TikTok? Well, because no one goes to a store just to buy a, a blender bottle, or at least like you got to convince somebody to do it. It is rare. Right. Right. Versus. This is a thing that everyone goes to the store to buy, you know, um, protein, you know, they want to see it. They want to read the label. They want to ask the guy at the shop, hey, this is my height, my size, kind of the diet I'm on. What do you recommend? You know, you can't get that uh, on the web, really. So you would go in store to get that and kind of get that vitamin, that GNC guy to kind of tell you what you need. And then you grab a blender bottle on the way out. And um, I think that thinking about it in that way, that retail way, and really learning about those kinds of things and customer behavior and what they're thinking really does translate to, to D2C and e-com. Uh, every channel just has its own, its own little nuance, I guess, in that way. And, um, you know, understanding your guys's brand, I've looked at it, I've looked at it, uh, and understand it very much educational. Right. It, it's, you know, it's educating men, I feel like in a lot of ways. Um, okay. So you had, uh, eight or nine years had an agency. Yep. Was there an exit there? Was there just kind of a closing the doors? Was it a, I just want to switch things up? Like, yeah, what's kind the of funny there? story. I mean, I was overlapping with uh, T. Shanley. I kind of started it as a side hustle. And, um, and uh, you know, there was a college roommate of mine, met in high school, went into college with him. And uh, he was very fortunate. He had just kind of a small exit from a software company in Connecticut that he had been with for 20 years. And he was just kind of on the bench. And I said, hey, would you like to take a look at this executive summary I've got written for this business plan and kind of noodle around? And he really liked it. And I said, you want to start, you know, chiseling away at it? And he said, yeah. And, um, and the business started, you know, really coming, coming to life with us. We actually had a V1 that failed. It was, um, so we're, our kind of unique selling proposition is we're skincare systems for guys. And we really help guys, you know, have like a healthy skincare routine, wash your face, put a moisturizer on, you know, repeat at night, wash your face, put a nighttime moisturizer on that, that, that basic concept. Um, and he really liked it. So we started, you know, he started working on it and teach started doing very well for us. Teach one was a routine concept, but it was other people's products in the box and it okay. wasn't, we're a subscription company. So we, we kind of ch- re- rethought the model and decided to put our own brand together, the T. Shanley brand, not put other people's products in the box. 
and do it on a, on a, a 30 day subscription. So that's kind of, you know, a pivot that we made. We relaunched, um, seven years ago, July. And under this current format, we just shipped our two millionth box uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Very excited about that. We hand delivered our two millionth box to a customer down in Georgia. Um, really very exciting. Myself and my founder, my other two founders went with us, with me and um, got a chance to spend a few minutes with, with good old Blake who, you know, is our two millionth customer. So that's how, that's how we got into the business. We really um, saw, I saw an opportunity through my global agency to help men think about um, skincare and, and skin health. Uh, I was getting a little older and then we, we, you know, put this thesis together, started working on it, failed and then re pivoted and re, um, you know, relaunched. Why do you think, why do you think the version one failed? Two questions. Why do you think the version one failed? And question two, at first, did you start slowly adding your products to the subscription box or did you go just all your products, uh, and made that transition quickly? Yeah. First off, the first question is so damn good. I, I was, I really wanted to jump on your com on your comments earlier about like the importance of sales. Um, I know it wasn't in context of a, of a, of a DTC business it was generally speaking, uh, when we're talking about my career in sales and your career, um, you know, having like having sales, it doesn't matter what business you're in, you're in the agency business, you know, I'm in the product business. Sales is the lifeblood of any company. So that, you know, the whole, you could, you could have the best everything. And if you can't sell that concept, it's, it's completely worthless. You can have like the best supply logistics, the best people, the best everything. If you can't sell it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty worthless. Um, we, we, you know, we did, so we didn't have a voice in the DTC marketplace, which again, I think we were talking about this earlier, uh, about your project, like having someone and having a voice, how do you get a voice in a crowded marketplace? So I think we didn't have that in V1 and we were, the, the other problem with that was we were also selling you know, we were also selling other people's products, um, which didn't make it unique, right? And they were very highly curated, but you could search and find them. And they weren't easy to find, but you could find them. So there, there was really no no reason. We didn't have a voice and we weren't selling anything unique. That's the reason why we, we failed. No, I love it. And then part two, did you jump right into all of your own like, uh, you know, private label brand, like your own private label products or whatever you want to call that? Um, or was it like a transition? I, I see a lot of companies that, you know, maybe uh, they've got a store, you know, a, a yeah. store um, and it's 70 percent other people's products so that they can get volume and there's lower yeah. margin there. And they're trying to like build their brand like within the store. That was actually part of the original thesis and in, in our T Chanley V1 that we would, you know, we would grow into more products and grow into our own brand. Um, it didn't work because we didn't have a voice, but I, we... Um, we just for point of clarification, we developed our own formulas. Um, we, we were not really, we're not, we never went down the, the white label path. We mm -hmm. developed our own formulas with our own chemist who has uh, got a, a equity share in the business. And then we started sourcing, um, manufacturers to manufacture our, our proprietary formulas. Um, and, we, and to, to this day, we, every product we produce, we, we own, the tech, the, the IP of the, of the formulation. Um, I love but, that. Uh, Protecting it. Yeah. And, I mean, to, to, to very specifically answer your question, you know, we started with six products, which is actually kind of a lot out of the gate. 
We started with six products, three different systems. Um, those six products go in and we started building, uh, we started building products. Um, and our portfolio now is while, while it's not huge, but it's pretty, it's like pretty extensive, right? So we, we do, you know, body lotion, we do below the belt powder, we do bar soaps, we do three different bar soaps, body washes, deodorant. And then we're really focused on the face. Like face is really where we're focused on. It's where people would probably notice the aging or, yeah. or the, you know, the care right. the most. Um, I got a couple of questions for you yeah. before we do. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io. We can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Um, it, the title is simplifying simplifying your company's message. Okay, yeah. so we're talking about selling, and I think yep. this is just an interesting, I want to hear your take on this, kind of a broad question, but... Um, you know, what do you feel like well, you didn't have the voice that, that you mentioned, but you haven't said that you got a voice either. And, um, when you started trying to sell to men, uh, this skincare routine, like a system, um, I was part of ballsy brands exit. I say part of it in regards to they hired me to launch them on Amazon and we grew Amazon well, and then they had an exit. Uh, yep. you know, they were already doing well in their own D to C and I love their play and spin on the humor side of yep. blow the belt stuff for men sure. and just right. making it niche. Um, but, uh, talk to me about your own experience with that, like finding a voice, like once you guys went to your own products, just cause you went to your own products doesn't mean you had a voice. Right. No. And so no relation. Uh, if I know anything about launching skincare products on Amazon, ballsy brand was a win there's been eight or nine failures for, for every ballsy brand I've had on Amazon. They're just very difficult to carve out yeah. market share. It's very difficult to get a voice, very difficult to convince people, uh, especially men, you know, uh, about your products. Um, what was that messaging you guys got kind of came with and did you find a voice early on? Yeah. So we did get a voice early on. And what happened was I brought a partner who is talking on YouTube about male grooming and um, we were going to work with him to produce paid content for us on his YouTube channel. Um, but then we ended up, we ended up striking a partnership agreement. This is the transition between our failed version and our, and our, um, revised current day version. Uh, we got the chemist and we started talking to a male grooming influencer who was really just talking about his people. It was a brilliant, um, much more brilliant than I, even had any, you know, notion of at the time. It was very brilliant because he had a huge audience of guys that were listening to him about the things that we're, we've been talking about, about how to take care of yourself. And there's a lot of exercise, right. And things like this, what to wear for the date and the, you know, the interview and the wedding and um, what to say and what not to say. So it was like a perfect fit for us. So that gave us a voice. Um, when it came and to trust. message, and trust, right? Like, I think that's Huge one of the trust. biggest thing. Like, I, I've really been pushing the influencer launch brands. I uh, worked with Kevin Hart, Nikita Dragon, Bobby Parrish, some yep. big ones, and launched brands with them um, and saw the impact of that. You're just buying, like, what, what might take you years of reputation building or brand building, um, you know, by piggybacking with someone else that's already spent that time to build trust and brand yeah. and reputation. Um, it's, it's just an absolute win for brands. Um, I'd be curious, like that move alone might've made version one successful if that, you know, if they had been curated by him or something like that in that regard. Yeah. I mean, so I'm speaking to my partner, Aaron Marino and his channels, Alpha M, but I think like 
all the things you just described were all the intangible things that I didn't realize. Like I didn't realize the power of his network, the power of what he meant to the male grooming and fitness community at that time and still does, you know, um, and, and the credibility. And then specifically to your question, like the messaging, like his voice became our voice, like our our voice at Tiege Hanley and what we said and talking about uncomplicated skincare for men and the, the terms that we would use really resonated or came out of the way Aaron spoke, authenticity, you know, truthfulness, those type of things were all just hallmarks of, of Aaron. What a great, what a great matchup. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just thinking about your age into entrepreneurship at that time yeah, and thinking about where influencer or brand like that kind of marketing was at that time, eight years ago, or, you know, nine years ago, um, you guys were early. We were, we were really lucky. I, I, we were, we've been lucky in many of ways. You know, that was, that was one of them. I'm finding a chemist at that same time. We just tripped over him. I mean, literally he was my business partner, Rob and him were, you know, at some dinner event and they were, they kind of tangentially knew each other and was talking about skincare. I mean, it's just really fortuitous how all this came together for us. And, you know, and, and as you said earlier, I mean, it's just been, it's just brutally hard. I mean, you, you know, this, you talk to entrepreneurs every day, it's, it's, you know, brutally hard. So I've been very lucky. We've been extremely fortunate. Um, nail messaging, have a voice in the marketplace, have a great product fit produce good products that, that are really, uh, um, you know, efficacious, you know, be talking about things that are relevant to guys. Those things have all been a huge part of our success. I think um, pairing yourself up with someone that already had trust, that had a message, like you talked about authenticity and trust and, yeah. you know, morality and um, made it much easier to choose what your messaging was as a brand as well. Yeah, I got. I, I also got lucky too because he's he, he's a good you know he's a good human being. And he really he really does mean what he says, um, which is, is the lucky. reason why he has you it know whatever lucky. it is. I don't even know seven million followers on YouTube or something like that because he does he is authentic you know and he is truthful and trustworthy. So um, you know, and I think that 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 was really important for our business. We really needed that to be part of our culture and to be part of our messaging. I love that. And I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, I, I've had the opposite happen as well, uh, trying to build a brand with an influencer that had a massive following. Um, and it just goes sideways. And, and yeah. so I've built my my reputation, you know, 10 years now as an entrepreneur, but I spent a lifetime building my, my reputation and brand as a person. And, um, you know, just I couldn't cut ties fast enough. Uh, yeah. you know, we were finding success, but it was just something that I didn't want to be aligned with. I, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't like the way that, that he was presenting himself to the world and, uh, and tied to me in that, in that yeah. way. And so, uh, I can call it luck, but you know, it's also fortuitous. Um, you know, I think, um, it, it's planning, it's opportunity, you know, it's, it's swinging and knowing how to judge good people and who to make partnerships with and those kinds of things. Um, but for anyone listening out there that's looking to build a brand, um, probably one of the most successful things you can do is try to find somebody that already has a voice uh, or else if you don't have that voice, I would suggest try building a community around a topic first. 
Um, like if it's men's skincare, get some meetups going, get, you know, try to try to get some content going, getting people following and signing up and starting to create this little community where the community becomes the voice itself instead of like a, a leader in that regard. Uh, it can just be hosting the events, having meetups. Uh, you know, there's so many people that are interested in different stuff, dog training, if you're doing some dog products or, you know, um, ways of being healthy and creating these like fitness groups or whatever the case might be and creating that community and then trying to launch a product through that um you know you're going to stand a lot higher chance or a lot a lot higher chance of success um i think than just trying to go out there especially in a category like skincare and just say hey we're here and we're great and we created a great formula and we want you to try it um i don't want to get i don't want to get stuck on that too much but it's just i mean it absolutely seems like to be the winning formula these days yeah and there's a lot of people that have taken that path and been very successful i i couldn't agree with you more um and one term that we use around here is like hard yards and meaning which is a rugby term uh, we had some new zealand guys working with us and you know the the point of the term is is that it, it just you know it takes a lot of effort and so that is, I completely agree with you, Andrew. I mean, building yourself, building your reputation and, 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 and developing a level of expertise around a subject that you're really interested in before you launch a business is brilliant. Um, but it's hard yards and yeah. no matter what you do, it's going to be hard yards, no matter how you approach it. When so, it comes to entrepreneurship and brand building, if it's easy, um, it's probably not the right thing to be doing. So no. Uh, I think hard is the only way uh, when it comes to brand building and entrepreneurship and reputation. No one gets a reputation by doing easy things, whether you're a brand or a person. It just, I just don't think that's the way that it is. Not saying you have to do everything the hard way, but um, just the work that it requires to really carve something out. I think that's sustainable is, is, is the hard yards for sure. Um, okay. As we, as we come up on time, yeah, I want to ask you two last questions. One being what's something that, um, the brands working on that you're excited about something, something new coming up. And then question two, uh, something that you're working on or you're excited about, uh, just as Kelly, as a person, not the right. business, um, to wrap up the show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we, we've, so our R and D roadmap is almost like two years in the making. So the things that we're working on, you know, in 2023 will be, you know, the, we're working on Q4 now. We'll come out like late 24 into 25. We're, we just launched um, on Tuesday. So we're we're on September 20, uh, 28th, if I can say that, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. um, on this on the show today. Um, we just launched a couple of days ago a retinol stick, which okay. is retinol is a product that has profound impact on your skin. Like it's kind of like the go-to product for any issues. It can be from an acne standpoint. It can be from anti-aging. It can be from, you know, having very spotty pigmentation issues in your skin. And retinol is a great product. We just launched and it's the first of any, uh, any brand in the men's space, a stick format of retinol. It is awesome. And I'm very excited about that. We've, we've got another similar launch next year, which is going to be super premium, really innovative product. So um, I'm very, very excited about that. We're, we're working on, um, you know, our acting line as well. We're reformulating that. So a lot of great things on the product development standpoint, personal standpoint, it's really interesting you ask this question. The other, like kind of thinking about three things in my life. And, um, and the three things that I'm really thinking about are, you know, 
making sure that I've, I've had a good family, like that I, my kids uh, are giving them 150%, my marriage, I've given 150%, um, and that I'm, I'm doing my best to contribute to society by putting good people in society. Um, bucket one, bucket two is, you know, career wise, getting to a certain level of, you know, financial independence and, and having a company that is successful and will live on beyond me. And, um, and, and potentially, you know, it, it was a lucrative, um, you know, life-changing event for me at some point. So that's kind of two, and I'm kind of close to where that is, um, for me. So now I'm thinking about like, the next and last like 20 to 30 years of my life. Um, and I've really been thinking about, and, and I was, I was really thinking about business because I have all these incredible business ideas. Um, I actually have some patents that are just, that are wonderful that are, that I'm not using. So there's all this stuff that's gone on in my mind about business. And I was for the last five years, I was thinking about the next thing I'm going to do. Um, and I've actually rethinking that. And I, I, while I do some projects, I really want to think about how much good I can do in the, the next 20 years, assuming that I reach a certain level of financial freedom that I, that I hope to. And, and then, so what does that look like? And I, it's not, I, and I want to think about it now because I want to make the biggest impact I can. And so I like, what exactly is that? I want to be really focused on something. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about right now. I love that answer. Um, I've kind of coined my, where I'm at currently as the legacy chapter, you know, and, um, really thinking about legacy and just thinking about, you know, um, what that looks like for me and my family, you know, we all have our own version of that, I think. And, uh, it's not just what we do while we're here, you know, but what impact do we leave? Um, and I think uh, as a business person, it can be so easy to just think about business, 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 because that's where we get a lot of our validation. It's where we get, you know, even any, anyone even knowing I exist sometimes is probably just from the business. You know, some of these things that at the end of the day, if all that's removed, it doesn't make you feel one way or another. Right. right. About, about, you know, what you've left. Um, so I love those answers, Kelly. Thank you again for being on the show and sharing um, your story with us. And thank you. Um, if anyone's needing skincare, uh, we all do. So they need to look you up. Where can people come in contact with you? Follow along on your story. Connect. Yeah, with you on I mean, you know, follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I really do like to to connect with people there. I, I do put um, some weekly information on LinkedIn that I think is helpful for careers. Um, if you want to try our product, there's a, you know. We have great product and there's a lot of great companies out there. Kiehl's, for instance, is a great company. Um, I, you know, I strongly suggest you, you have a healthy skincare routine. Protect your skin with an SP, moisturizer with SPF, regardless if it's ours or someone else's. It is really important. Um, you can go to teach.com, you know, backslash uh, startup, uh, the startup hustle. And we've got like a really sweet deal for you there. I think our best deal ever is on that landing page. Amazing. Teach, uh, teach.com backslash startup hustle. Um, but you know, get, get yourself a healthy skincare routine. Um, and you'll, you'll appreciate it today and 15 years from now. As a, as a redhead that grew up in Africa, I can very much, um, <clears throat> confirm that having an SPF in your life is, is a must. Um, must 
Yeah, it's something that I I would be, uh, you know, it was more visible where like the sun could literally put me in the hospital uh, versus for a lot of other people. It's something that takes a lot longer before any kind of like, you know, effects are seen or damage is done. You know, it's not something you see every single day. So, um, you know, in the in the day we're living in, it's something it's just something very, very important. Protect your skin, uh, at least. Um, Thanks again for being on the show, Kelly. And thanks again to our sponsor, uh, Fullscale.io. They have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts if you're looking for software engineers, testers, or leaders. When you visit Fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions let the platform match you up with fully vetted, high-experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders at Fullscale. They specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit Fullscale.io. Kelly, thanks for being on the show. Uh, And Hustlers, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.